Book Three, Chapter Five, Part Two of Lord of the World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Therese. Lord of the World by Robert U. Benson. Book Three, Chapter Five, Part Two. He passed straight up to the chair, followed by two secretaries, bowed slightly to this side and that sat down and made a little gesture. Then they, too, were in their chairs, upright and intent. For perhaps the hundredth time, Oliver, staring upon the President, marveled at the quietness and astounding personality of him. He was in the English judicial dress that had passed down through centuries, black and scarlet with sleeves of white fur and a crimson sash, and that had lately been adopted as the English presidential costume of him who stood at the head of the legislature. But it was in his personality, in the atmosphere that flowed from him, that the marvel lay. It was as the scent of the sea to the physical nature. It exhilarated, cleansed, kindled, intoxicated. It was inexplicably attractive as a cherry orchard in spring, as affecting as the cry of stringed instruments, as compelling as a storm. So writers had said. They compared it to a stream of clear water, to the flash of a gem, to the love of a woman. They lost all decency sometimes. They said it fitted all moods, as the voice of many waters. They called it again and again, as explicitly as possible, the divine nature perfectly incarnate at last. Then Oliver's reflections dropped from him like a mantle, for the president, with downcast eyes and head thrown back, made a little gesture to the ruddy-faced secretary on his right. And this man, without a movement, began to speak like an impersonal actor repeating his part. Gentlemen, he said in an even resonant voice, the President is come direct from Paris. This afternoon his honor was in Berlin, this morning early in Moscow, yesterday in New York. Tonight his honor must be in Turin, and tomorrow will begin to return through Spain, North Africa, Greece, and the southeastern states. This is the usual formula for such speeches. The President spoke but little himself now, but was careful for the information of his subjects on the occasions like this. His secretaries were perfectly trained, and this speaker was no exception. After a slight pause, he continued, This is the business, gentlemen. Last Thursday, as you are aware, the plenipotentiaries signed the Test Act in this room, and it was immediately communicated all over the world. At sixteen o'clock, his honor received a message from a man named Dolgorovsky, who is, it is understood, one of the cardinals of the Catholic Church. This he claimed, and on an inquiry it was found to be a fact. His information confirmed what was already suspected, namely, that there was a man claiming to be Pope, who had created, so the phrase is, other cardinals shortly after the destruction of Rome, subsequent to which his own election took place in Jerusalem. It appears that this Pope, with a good deal of statesmanship, has chosen to keep his own name and place of residence a secret from even his own followers, with the exception of the twelve cardinals, that he has done a great deal through the instrumentality of one of his cardinals in particular, and through his new order in general, towards the reorganization of the Catholic Church, and that, at this moment, he is living, apart from the world, in complete security. His honor blames himself that he did not do more than suspect something of the kind. Misled, he thinks, by a belief that if there had been a pope, news would have been heard of it from other quarters, for, as is well known, the entire structure of the Christian Church rests upon him, as upon a rock." Further, his honor thinks inquiry should have been made in the very place where now it is understood that this pope is living. 
The man's name, gentlemen, is Franklin. Oliver started uncontrollably, but relapsed again to bright-eyed intelligence, as for an instant the president glanced up from his motionlessness. Franklin, repeated the secretary, and he is living in Nazareth, where, it is said, the founder of Christianity passed his youth. Now this, gentlemen, his honor heard on Thursday in last week. He caused inquiries to be made, and on Friday morning received further intelligence from Dolgorovsky that this pope had summoned to Nazareth a meeting of his cardinals and certain other officials from all over the world to consider what steps should be taken in view of the new test act. This, his honor, takes to show an extreme one of statesmanship, which seems hard to reconcile with his former action. These persons are summoned by special messengers to meet on Saturday next, and will begin their deliberations after some Christian ceremonies on the following morning. You wish, gentlemen, no doubt, to know Dugorovsky's motives in making all this known. His honor is satisfied that they are genuine. The man has been losing belief in his religion. In fact, he has come to see that this religion is a supreme obstacle to the consolidation of the race. He is esteemed at his honor, therefore, to lay this information before his honor. It is interesting, as an historical parallel, to reflect that the same kind of incident marked the rise of Christianity, marked the rise of Christianity as will mark, it is thought, its final extinction, namely, the informing on the part of one of the leaders of the place and method by which the principal personage may be best approached. It is also, surely, very significant that the scene of the extinction of Christianity is identical with that of his inauguration. Well, gentlemen, his honor's proposal is as follows, carrying out the declaration to which you all acceded. It is that a force shall proceed during the night of Saturday next to Palestine, and on the Sunday morning, when these men will be all gathered together, that this force should finish as swiftly and mercifully as possible the work to which the powers have set their hands. So far, the consent of the governments, which have been consulted, has been unanimous, and there is little doubt that the rest will be equally so. His honor felt that he could not act in so grave a matter on his own responsibility. It is not merely local. It is a Catholic administration of justice, and will have results wider than it is safe minutely to prophesy. It is not necessary to enter into his honor's reasons. They are already well known to you, but before asking for your opinion, he desires me to indicate what he thinks, in the event of your approval, should be the method of action. Each government, it is proposed, should take part in the final scene, for it is something of a symbolic action, and for this purpose it is thought well that each of the three departments of the world should depute volars to the number of the constituting states, 122 all told, to set about the business. These volors should have no common meeting ground, Otherwise the news will surely penetrate to Nazareth, for it is understood that this new order of Christ crucified has a highly organized system of espionage. The rendezvous, then, should be no other than Nazareth itself, and the time of meeting should be, it is thought, not later than nine o'clock, according to Palestine reckoning. These details, however, can be decided and communicated as soon as a determination has been formed as regards the entire scheme. With respect to the exact method of carrying out the conclusion, his honor is inclined to think it will be more merciful to enter into no negotiations with the persons concerned. An opportunity should be given to the inhabitants of the village to make their escape if they so desire it, and then, with the explosives that the force should carry, the end can be practically instantaneous. For himself, his honor proposes to be there in person, and further that the actual discharge should take place from his own car. 
it seems but suitable that the world which has done his honor the goodness to elect him to its presidentship should act through his hands and this would be at least some slight token of respect to a superstition which however infamous is yet the one and only force capable of withstanding the true progress of man his honor promises you gentlemen that in the event of this plan being carried out we shall be no more troubled with christianity already the moral effect of the test act has been prodigious it is understood that by tens of thousands catholics numbering among them even members of this new fanatical religious order have been renouncing their follies even in these few days and a final blow struck now at the very heart and head of the catholic church eliminating as it would do the actual body on which the entire organization subsists would render its resurrection impossible it is a well-known fact that granted the extinction of the line of popes together with those necessary for its continuance there could be no longer any question amongst even the most ignorant that the claim of jesus had ceased to be either reasonable or possible even the order that has provided the sinews for this new movement must cease to exist dogorowski of course is a difficulty for it is not certainly known whether one cardinal would be considered sufficient for the propagation of the line and although reluctantly his honor feels bound to suggest that at the conclusion of the affair dogorowski also who will not of course be with his fellows at nazareth should be mercifully removed from even the danger of a relapse his honor then asked you gentlemen as briefly as possible to state your views on the points of which i have had the privilege of speaking the quiet business-like voice ceased he had spoken throughout in the manner with which he had begun his eyes had been downcast throughout his voice had been tranquil and restrained his deportment had been admirable there was an instant silence and all eyes settled steadily again upon the motionless figure in black and scarlet and the ivory face then oliver stood up his face was as white as paper his eyes bright and dilated sir he said i have no doubt that we are all of one mind i need say no more than that so far as i am a representative of my colleagues we assent to the proposal and leave all details in your honor's hands the president lifted his eyes and ran them swiftly along the rigid faces turned to him then in the breathless hush he spoke for the first time in his strange voice now as passionless as a frozen river is there any other proposal there was a murmur of assent as the men rose to their feet thank you gentlemen said the secretary end of book three chapter five part two